We're going to pick up this uh, chapter in Acts chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 8, and Peter is speaking. But here's, here's the story. Here's what's happened. Uh, not long after uh, Christ had left and sent his spirit, um, Peter and John are going into the temple to, to pray. They're in Jerusalem. Um, and there's a man who's been... Uh, Hasn't been able to walk, crippled. Um, and in those days, uh, what he could do for his livelihood would sit outside uh, the gates of the temple. And as people were coming in or going out, um, he would ask for alms. He would ask for charity. He would ask for people uh, to help because he's not able to make a living for himself. And he, this man had been that way from, uh, from birth. And here Peter and John are coming in and, and this man calls out to them asking for help. Uh, and Peter uh, looks at him and says to him, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have any money to give you. What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And the man, he grabs the man's hand and pulls him up. And his, uh, scripture says, his, his uh, feet and his ankles were strengthened. And he was able to walk. He went about walking, uh, leaping, rejoicing, um, and into the temple. And the people all around were amazed that this had happened. They'd know this man. They'd seen him with their you know, compassion. As Do they have something they can give to him or not? They've seen him for years and years. And now he's there walking. And they're, what happened? How did this happen? Um, and Peter begins to make clear to them this happened uh, because of, of Jesus. It's because Jesus is reigning and sent his power, power that the kind of healings that he did, he still uh, was doing at that time through his apostles. Um, this really is just like uh, a little over a month or two since, um, since Jesus was crucified. Uh, so the rulers uh, of, the, of the temple there aren't excited for them to be talking about Jesus. And so uh, they get Peter and John and bring them before, uh, before the religious council uh, in Jerusalem and uh, inquire of them what's going on. I don't like this. Kind of a dangerous situation for the church. Dangerous situation for uh, some of Christ's new leaders that he's entrusted to be his witnesses. And now the very people that crucified uh, Jesus are asking questions of Peter and John. And you can wonder how they respond, but here you get to hear it. Um, as scripture records it for us, uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, 8. Uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, hear the word of God. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, but which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone 
in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported to them, reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves together. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. And we pray that it would among us. There's, there's an amazing verse in those, that first uh, part that we began with. If you look at it in verse 12, uh, amazing and encouraging and helpful verse that there is salvation in no one else. No one else but Jesus, there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, it's a great verse, a helpful verse. It's a great verse to memorize. Uh, it's a great verse to quote, especially if you want everyone to hate you. I uh, think that you're a re religious bigot who doesn't care about other people's values or their opinions or their beliefs, and you just want to show that, th that they're wrong and push your own values on others. That's how a lot of people would hear uh, that statement uh, today, that the strong cultural assumption uh, in the world that, that we live in and around us is one of uh, pluralism, right? That, that, that there's no one way that's above any other way. Uh, there's many different paths, different things that work for different people, and so you need to find like what's, what's significant for you, uh, what's meaningful for you, uh, what things actually connect and encourage you and, and make your life uh, seem to go, go better or give you something that you can hold on to, um, kind of a relativism. And the one thing you can't do is, is say what works for someone else. You can speak about how something affects you, someone else can speak about that, maybe you can share in that. Uh, but you can't say there's only this and, and this is what has to be for you. Our, our context uh, just feels, that feels to people very, very pushy. Um, uh, someone said that you, you shouldn't be telling someone else that they're wrong in their beliefs. Because if you're saying that there's no other name by which you can be saved, there's no other way that you can be rescued, and someone believes something else, you're telling them that you're wrong. What you think works for you is, is wrong. 
right? It feels like it comes across harsh. Uh, and that, that pluralism or relativism uh, is something that's held so strongly at times uh, that it's even, it's even used to condemn believing only, uh, only one way. Right? So, that, so that if you believe that there's only one way, that that pluralism comes back around and says, no, you're wrong for believing that. Right? And you get, okay, this is not, not making sense. Right? The, the idea here, you know, like, you know, it's fundamentalist terrorists that think in absolutes. Right? This, is, this is a dangerous, uh, dangerous idea. Um, now, you know, historically, you track just ideas and how things have happened over the history of the world or culturally in different places. Uh, that assumption that everything has to be this plural, whatever you're thinking is fine, um, is, is very historically naive. Uh, it's very culturally naive and somewhat elitist to say this way that we think things go is the only way that you're allowed to, to think. But it ends up looking down its noses at, at other things. It assumes that it knows better than all. Um, but, but despite that, um, uh, that, that internal consistency or the historical difficulties of pluralism, it, it's something that's very difficult to oppose today. Uh, if you're just having a conversation with friends and you're to bring up something like verse 12, there's, well, I know what you're saying, but what I believe from the Bible is that there's no other way of, to be saved but through the name of Jesus. Um, like. You even have to kind of, you, know, you almost like, even when you soften it that way, what I believe is what scripture says in this, people are still like, that doesn't fit with me. I, I, feel, I feel like you're pushing against me. It's a difficult uh, thing to oppose. It's a bold statement to make uh, today that there's only one hope, and that it's Jesus. Um, it was an especially bold statement for Peter and John to make uh, right here in Acts. Uh, right here before uh, this council, and it was for a little bit different reasons. There was a, a, a pluralism of the day, but that was a, a pagan pluralism in the Roman Empire. Uh, among the Jewish people, uh, no, right? They, they were very clear that there was one hope. It was, it was God who, who was authored scripture. It was his Messiah who was not Jesus in, in, in their view right now. Um, it's a very different thing, uh, but a bold statement for them to make. There, they're sitting here before the, the highest uh, religious council, religious leaders uh, of the people, of the people of Israel. Um, this would be like if you were, like, imagine yourself being brought up before a uh, you know, U.S. Senate inquiry. <laughs> and you're there, and there's the panel, and they're firing questions at you. Or the, or the president and his cabinet is, is going through and, and quizzing you on all these things. Uh, a few verses earlier than we started reading in verse 5, it mentions it as the, uh, the rulers of the people, the elders the scribes, uh, the high priest himself, and the high priest's family. Kind of like all the big dogs are there. Uh, and they're asking Peter and John uh, what these things are. Um, even mentions the name uh, Annas and Caiaphas. Annas is the high priest, Caiaphas along with that. Um, men who were involved as, as high priests in, in the interrogation and, and leading to the crucifixion of Jesus. Right? So they're telling the very people uh, that that interrogated and, and, and sent Jesus to his death and crucifixion, they're, they're telling those people, there's no other name to be saved by except Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom you, the builders who were supposed to be in authority, rejected. That was the one hope for us. Uh, you're kind of wondering, like, um, like are, they, are they even expecting to walk out alive? You know, if like there's one thing you probably shouldn't say if you want to keep going on and leading this church is talking about Jesus here. Um, but they are uh, unintimidated. I come across here and all their responses is, is unintimidated. And the question that I want us to ask is, 
is why. Where does that ability to respond, where does this boldness uh, come from? And and it's boldness that the text uh, highlights for you, that the way this narrative uh, is brought out. You see it in verse uh, 13. uh, Now, when they saw this boldness of Peter and John, the council had to figure out what to do with them. And after they're let go, you look down in verse uh, uh, 29, And then in, uh, in verse 31, uh, they come back uh, to their friends and they're, they're praying. And what they pray is, Lord, give to your servants uh, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Um, and it ends saying that the Holy Spirit, uh, they're filled with, continue, and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. They're bold, they're unintimidated. Where, where does this boldness uh, come from? Um, and I want you to ask personally, like, how does that impact you and how do you relate to it? I think we have a lot of fears. Um, and I think there's ways where Jesus is making uh, his disciples bold. And what he does here uh, continues to apply uh, to, to, uh, to, to his followers and, and disciples now. But, but also, if you're a non-Christian, I really would like to encourage you also uh, to be bold as you look at this. Um, to, be, to challenge you to be bold, to consider what the Bible says, to consider how it talks about Jesus and who he is and why that matters. And, and I would really love to encourage you to be uh, bold enough to even ask those questions that why is it that you disagree with it? And, and I know there's like uh, hypocritical Christians or these people that have, that have done things or because this, uh, this view feels so uh, exclusive or wars that were fought in the name of Christianity and horrible things in the past and, and we can talk about those things or how it relates to science. And, but, but I want you to go encourage you beyond that to say, but, but for you, what is it about Christianity that you disagree with, that you want to push back against? And why, why does it hit you there? Um, but here, Jesus is the one who is making his followers uh, bold. So I want us to look at three different sides of that. Um, it, it says in verse 13 that they saw uh, their boldness. And because of that, uh, they were realizing they were uneducated and common men, they recognized that they'd been uh, with Jesus. Now, I, I've known... Uh, known a lot of uh, different bold Christians. I'm sure you've known some, some bold Christians. I've known uh, some who are very, very bold Christians. Um, and most of them were jerks, right? Um, not most bold people. That I've, but there's been people that I've known who are Christians who are bold, but, but they come across as, and sometimes we're acting with a lot of arrogance and jerks. So let me be clear at the beginning, God doesn't want you to be a jerk. Um, the, the spirit isn't producing in you an arrogance that says, I know what matters and I know the Bible and I know what you need to do and you need to listen to me. That, that's not how, uh, how the spirit uh, works. He's not producing a pride in us. That's not what Jesus is doing. Uh, the boldness that's here is a, is a humble boldness. A bit of a, how's that fit? How's that make sense? That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, it, it's a humble, not an arrogant boldness, a humble uh, boldness. Um, it's not an arrogance, uh, um, <clears throat> but, it, but it comes across with this humility. Here's Peter and John. They're, they're speaking before the trained elite. Now, I don't know if you know some Ph.D. students, but you know, if, you, if you've talked to someone who's getting their doctorate, who goes through the Ph.D., one of the things that they have to do um, is uh, not only write their dissertation and, and take all these classes, but they do comprehensive oral exams. So they meet before, say, say someone doing a, a psychology PhD is going to meet before all the different faculty members in their major uh, and be grilled question after question about any different area of it to say, does this person know, the, know what he needs to know? 
Are they sufficient? As we talk to uh, people that are going through that, it's like days and weeks and weeks of study into like what could be asked and how do you? Here's the religious elite uh, uh, in the Jerusalem Council quizzing uh, Peter and John, and they and they speak back in, the, in this way, and the, the council is able to tell like these are uneducated common men, right? Like they haven't been trained for their PhD, they don't know the things that uh, that we want them to know, and yet they know more than we expect them to know. Um, uh, they, weren't, they weren't making themselves look good, look smart, look right. Um, I think a lot of times that's what we get caught up with in conversations. Maybe someone disagrees with you about something in the Bible and you want to talk about that and you're like, do I have the right answer or not? Um, am I able to come up with quickly enough an, an argument to oppose what, what they say? Right? We're concerned with how we look, how we come across. Um, Peter and John come, come across as like, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, like the country bumpkins, not, no insults here. I grew up like far from any big cities. Um, but, but they come across like common, uneducated men. But what they recognize in it is not that there's something so great about Peter and John, but they recognize that they've been with Jesus. See, how Jesus uh, makes his followers bold is by his relationship uh, with uh, him. That they're speaking about him and there's something that they're doing uh, with him. It's not an arrogance. It's a boldness that shows their weakness and yet shows their relationship and their reliance on Jesus. So that it's Jesus that comes through as impressive, uh, not not them. Sometimes I'm not sure if we want that humble boldness. Uh, Can we come across as like having the answers and being the sharpest person or the wittiest person and the culturally relevant uh, person uh, and and speak these things into faith and be bold that way? Um, But but listen, if you're a believer and you hear uh, your belief is founded on believing that there was a man who was God. And then he died, but then he came back to life again forever. And then he uh, left and is ruling over the universe. (laughs) You're going to come across as weird. Um, But the question is not how do you look in it, but who is Jesus? How does he he matter to you? Where's that relationship? Um, what, What affects them is that they have known Christ. They know the truth of it. Uh, and they're witnesses of what they have seen and heard. They're not trying to um, just look like they're, like they're smart or impressive. Um, <clears throat> sometimes conversations for, for you, if you're a Christian here with folks, it might, might not be that you come across as, as like having the answers. Uh, sometimes it's going to be showing your weakness. Uh, maybe it's talking to a friend who doesn't believe Christianity and thinks that's kind of weird, but being open with them about, about your need. Uh, about the struggle of, of being uh, in college, and that, that sin is tempting, that, that, um, that, that, that sleeping around or the availability to go out on the weekends or not the weekends and get, get high or get drunk is, maybe it's, maybe it's more than tempting, maybe it's part of what you're, what you're engaged in, and, but it doesn't feel like that's what you're supposed to be doing, and being open with someone else that here's, here's part of your weakness, or, um, and realizing this is, that you're struggling with figuring out that this is wrong and how do you, how do you not uh, follow along with that? That you want to cover your sin, but you know that the scripture offers comfort uh, and forgiveness and restoration, but it's difficult. Um, sometimes the relationship with Jesus calls you to be open about your need and your weakness in a relationship like that. Maybe other times it's not those things. It's, it's that being on campus, on college, uh, makes, you, uh, makes you see your sin, that you look around at all these people who are... <laughs> 
who are hooking up and getting high and uh, whatever different things, and, and you feel pretty quickly confident that you're better than them. Um, and you're starting to see your uh, arrogance and your judgmentalism and being open and saying, man, this is something I struggle with. You can see this clearly in me. Help, help me see this because my God calls me to be a different way. Um, you're willing to look like a fool, uneducated, a common a person, but Jesus is being seen as important uh, through you. Jesus makes them uh, bold with this humble boldness. And interestingly, the council has nothing to say in opposition. Uh, that's, that's the way you quote there, right? Uh, the, the council had nothing uh, to say to, in, in opposition in verse, verse 14. Um, Jesus is the one doing the impressive work. Humble boldness. Uh, secondly, uh, a submissive boldness. Again, I know it doesn't like make sense, submissive boldness, but it does. And that's what you see here. Uh, submissive and not rebellious uh, boldness in verse uh, 15 to, to 22. Um, the religious council had nothing to say, and they didn't know what to do. And so they send Peter and John uh, out of the room so they can talk to themselves and be like, what, what are we going to do with this? Um, right? They're, they're tied in a, in a knot because the people are impressed with what's happened. And yet, here these men speaking in Jesus' name, and they want to shut that down. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, and they come back, and they tell Peter and John, all right, here's what we decided. Um, we can't deny uh, the healing. And they don't really say, but they're not willing to oppose the people. But you have to stop spreading this. You have to stop talking about Jesus' name. Essentially, you can believe what you want privately. You can believe what you want uh, in yourself, but don't talk about Jesus anymore. Or, or things will happen. There'll be threats, lots of threats. Um, and then there's this incredible response uh, from, from Peter and John here uh, that they will continue speaking, right? I, I love this. You're saying to, um, you know, to the top leaders, you're saying to the religious elite, to the high priest, the high priest family, the rulers, the elders, and the scribes, and you say uh, in verse 19, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen uh, to you rather than to listen to God... You'll have to decide that. Uh, here's, a, here's what you're, you're saying. Your opinion or God's opinion. Um, you decide what, what we're supposed to do on that. You make your pronouncement. You have this authority. Here, you make that pronouncement. But as for us, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we've heard, what we know the truth of. Um, like Shabal, right? Uh, like, like you just you love that. Here's the one, like, boom, this comeback. Um, uh, there's this bold response. It's an unwavering uh, conviction that Jesus makes his followers a bold, but it's a boldness by what? By them listening to God instead of listening to man. It's a boldness that's in submission to God's word and what he said. Uh, it's a boldness that's in submission to what God has, has done and that they won't stand anywhere else under, but under, under God's authority. Um, it, it's not a boldness out of rebellion. It's a boldness out of submission. They're not like throwing off the religious elite to, to like blaze new trails of, uh, of broader religious enlightenment, right? That's just good to go out to all the nations now. It's this broader religious enlightenment. They're not just, uh, I mean, here's, uh, they're not just kind of giving them the finger because these are the guys who killed Jesus. <laughs> like, do what you want with me. You killed Jesus. This is what my, uh, I've got nothing to say to you. I'm not going to listen to you. Um, I know, like, our culture, we, like, we love, like, the comeback, the strong comeback. You're like, yeah. Um, and that's not really what the Bible uh, promotes either. Um, there, there's a respect for the position that they have, the authority uh, that, they're, that they're given. 
and yet one that acknowledges that the higher authority is God's. And they cannot but stand under God's authority and speak the truth of what he said and what he's done. That's a submissive uh, boldness. Uh, Do you want the Spirit to work in you uh, that submission boldness that you'd be so committed to God as to be immovably uh, bold? I just think about just just how much much we change who we are or how we present ourselves in different circumstances. Uh, I've known people that even just had like different Facebook accounts that they were friends with different people in different contexts of. They're like, no, I can't. Like, I can't have my parents or my community back home knowing these things. So this is, like, my ones that's just with my friends. And here's my other, like, public face one stuff, right? Um, maybe that's the extreme version. Uh, but, but, man, we do that all the time. I, do, I mean, do you look different when you're, when you're here or when you're at church or when you're at RUF, with REF friends than you do when you're out with other friends? Um, does that, does that change? How much have you changed since coming to college? Are you different at home or around your family? Um, right? it, you know, what this is giving is a, is a freedom to be consistently whole, uh, to consistently stand around, around one, one thing of who you are and what you believe in and be consistently whole in that and not have to keep up the, this presentation to make them happy and this presentation to make them happy. Um, listen, Christian or non-Christian, you can hear and you can see this as something that we value and we long for. Uh, to have something that grounds us, uh, that we're whole, that we're, that we're known, that we have values and principles that, that, that can consistently be worked out in who we are and how we live and what we say. Not have to put on one face and then another. Um, it's, it's almost laughable when you see the difference with the council here. There's kind of a contrast. Um, and Peter and John, they're, they're not in authority, right? They're just these common, uneducated men. But, but here are these men who have the authority. Right? They get to decide uh, what people are supposed to believe, how they're supposed to act, uh, from the, give these real religious uh, teaching and injunctions. Right? Um, and what are they doing? They're afraid of what people are going to think. They know what they want to do. What they want to do is say, we're taking you guys out and anyone else who talks about Jesus, we're throwing them out. But they can't. They're stuck. Uh, because Jesus made these guys, this guy's legs walk again, um, and, the, and the guy's out there, and everyone is praising God. So if they say, the people that helped this guy walk, we're going like, to get rid of them, <laughs> then the people are going to be on to us that we're not really for them. We're, we're for our agenda and our control and our authority. Um, so, so these guys who like, are trying to put it all on as if they have the, they have the boldness and authority, they're the ones who are stuck. Uh, they're the ones who can't uh, do anything except uh, threaten they're the ones who are afraid of what people uh, would think of them. Uh, and Jesus leads his followers so that we don't have to be. Uh, there's a submissiveness uh, to who he is uh, and what God's done in us. lets us walk uh, strongly and boldly there. A humble boldness uh, that's not arrogant. Uh, instead of a rebellious, a, a submissive boldness. And, and thirdly, a dependent boldness. A dependent boldness instead of an independent uh, boldness. Now here's what happens, right? From, uh, um, from verse 23 uh, on, they're, they're released. They're threatened many more times. Don't, don't say this stuff. And they're released, and they go back uh, to their friends, to the other believers, and they tell them what happened. Guys, get this. We were in there with Annas and Caiaphas who crucified Jesus and the whole religious council, and we told them, there's no other name by which you can be saved except Jesus whom you crucified. And all they did was threaten us and then let us go. 
uh, and we're still uh, here with you. It's awesome, right? It's awesome. It's like, you've got to listen to this. Um, and they praise God because of Jesus' victory that's seen here. But I want you to hear their, their dependent uh, boldness, uh, especially in two ways, their, their word, but also the, the prayer. You see in verse 29, right? What are they saying? We're awesome. We showed those guys. This, was, this, was, this is the way we're going to be from now on. No. It's a dependence. It's a need. It's a weakness. Um, God delivered us and rescued in, us in this, but, but God, grant to your servants uh, <clears throat> that we may uh, continue to speak your word with all boldness. You've heard their threats. Peter and John have walked through it and heard them say the things that they would do to them if they continue to speak the name of Jesus. They go, I, I know that what would be easier for me is to run away from Jerusalem. What would be easier for me is to not talk about you anymore. Uh, is, is to say, yes, guys, I go along with this and life would just go a whole lot more smoothly. Um, and so, Lord, we need you. You, uh, we're your servants. Grant to us, give to us uh, the boldness that we need how to speak your word, right? There's this prayer and dependence, and it's also a dependence on God's word, on what he has said. Um, there's, this, there's a psalm that they're quoting uh, in the middle here in verse uh, 25. Uh, they recognize this is incredible. If you can follow along here, this is uh, Psalm 2. Uh, why did the, the, the nations rage, the Gentiles rage, and the people uh, plot, again, plot uh, in, in vain? How the kings of the earth set themselves together, the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. And, and the psalm goes on. <coughs> Goes on to say, not only are here all these gathered up against God and, <clears throat> and His anointed, uh, but that the one who sits in heaven laughs. Um, God isn't worried when all the people uh, get together and they're like, "We're going to take God out." He's like, "So it's all right. Uh, I've, got, I've got things covered." Um, the psalm ends saying, uh, kiss the son lest he be angry. The, the son, the, 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 the ruler of God's people, the anointed uh, Messiah, the son, Jesus uh, Christ himself. Uh, show that sign of deference and respect to the one who really is in authority. Because he's the one that you don't want to be on the wrong uh, side of. But, but here's what it is. They're quoting this psalm because they're amazed because they've seen that it's fulfilled. It's like now they get this psalm and that the psalm makes sense. And they go through and they said, here we were. Here we were experiencing Psalm 2. We were in Jerusalem, but it wasn't just Jerusalem. The, the, the rulers, uh, the nations were gathered together. Pontius Pilate and, and Herod as well. Gentile rulers, the, the, um, the Jewish rulers. And the, and the Gentile people as well as the people of Israel were engaged in this. I am crucified uh, the Lord's uh, anointed. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do what? To plot in vain. To have an empty scheme that had no hope of success. Because what did they do? According to the passage here, to do whatever your hand had predestined to take place. They were gathered together to, de to destroy uh, God's messenger and God's salvation. And what did it accomplish? Exactly the rescue that God intended it for. Uh, for Jesus himself to be crucified in our place. And judged the way we deserve to be judged and rejected. The way we're ready to re reject him is how he was judged and rejected by his father. In order that sin might be put away and punished and done with forever. That we could receive mercy. 
that we could be restored uh, to God and experience uh, the relationship of his love and his grace and his mercy to us that we don't deserve it. That is what God had planned. That is what God had planned for even when they were uh, plotting against him. They were fulfilling his, Their plot was in vain to take God out. But it fulfilled exactly what God was doing to bring about salvation, to bring about rescue. And they're realizing that they just walked through this. That they just experienced Psalm 2. And now they've walked out of being in the presence of the elders and the leaders gathered together, still wanting to shut down God's church. But the leaders could only plot in vain. They couldn't couldn't do anything. The kingdom was still moving forward uh, unhindered. uh, And God was causing his people to still be unintimidated, even as they uh, look at this. Right there, their boldness here uh, depends on their leader's dominance. Right? It's not something of themselves here, their independence that they like squash these guys and here they can go. It's a, it's a dependent uh, boldness on him. Uh, there, there was this, I hate to say it, but really annoying kid in my art class in high school. Really, really annoying kid. Like he, he just picked at people. Like he would try to figure out what your buttons, buttons were and how he could push them and how he could annoy you. So if the teacher was on the other side of the room and you were over near him, like he was saying something at you. He was saying like, like short little tiny scrawny dude. I mean, but, but see, like short little tiny scrawny. He was always picking, always picking, always picking at people. And his best friend was always with him. His best friend was like 6'4", played on the football team, one of the biggest guys in school. I can't remember uh, the, the little guy's name who was so annoying, but I, I remember Philip's name. <laughs> I remember that whenever he messed with you, the little guy was messing with you, you're like, yeah, there's Philip. <laughs> Not going to say anything. Philip would be pretty quick to stand up. Uh, Philip Philip's going to... Sp- the gospel's not making you an annoying little person picking at people's uh, buttons, right? Uh, it's not that arrogance. Uh, but you have someone bigger than a 6'4 uh, football player walking around with you. Uh, Jesus has sent his spirit present with you to make you uh, bold. Jesus is the one reigning. If you're his servant, there's a place of wholeness and consistency to be who he's called you to be in submission to him that brings out a different uh, boldness. The boldness of Jesus' followers in Acts continues to be impressive. Uh, It's not many more chapters before not only is there more hardship and persecution, uh, but people are dying uh, and martyrs um, and driven away from their homes and having to go other places. And, you know, Paul would recount thing after thing, uh, uh, beatings and torture and imprisonment and uh, hunger and starvation, all, all in following Christ. But the gospel continued to go forward and he continued to be bold. Um, maybe it's a bold thing to stand against pluralism and relativism and say, there's one name under heaven by which you can be saved. It is. Uh, it, it's a bold and fearful thing to say, I, b- I believe like this book is, is, is true and it's, it's from God. Um, and to actually talk to other people about that. Bold thing to show your weakness. Um, to submit yourself uh, to this rule, um, to not just go your own way, but be dependent on what, what God uh, has said of who, who Christ is. Um, but this is what Jesus is doing in his people. Uh, and I would challenge you not to try to make yourself more bold. Um, and when you see the heart of, of arrogance and scorn and 
um, and, and religious like better than holier than thouism like like to put that away. That's not what Christ is doing. Uh, but in weakness and humility uh, and submission and dependence to say, who is Jesus? Who do I believe Jesus to be? What what does the Bible say that He's done? Where's my connection to that? How does it matter? Uh, how do I disagree with some of these things? Why do I go other ways? Where would Christ have me stand? It's not in what we're doing. It's in what Jesus is doing, what Jesus has done, and how he continues to work in his people. And it's because of that that there can be a confidence and a boldness and a security uh, in the gospel of Jesus. We pray.